Hello and welcome to the AMA update podcast and video series. Today we're talking about the latest trends in remote patient monitoring and how the use of this technology has continued to grow following the pandemic. I'm joined today by Dr. Richard Milani, the Chief Clinical Transformation Officer at Ochsner Health in New Orleans. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Welcome back, Dr. Milani. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks uh, for having me back, Todd. Well, Ochsner has been one of the leaders in remote monitoring. Uh, believe it or not, we talked to you two years ago about how you were using it with COVID patients. And then, uh, since then, uh, the technology has continued to grow in terms of your usage. Let's just start with a quick overview of the ways that Oshner is currently using remote monitoring. Well, uh, we actually started in 2015, uh, and we have programs in various chronic disease states like hypertension, diabetes, COPD, uh, even dyslipidemia. Um, and then we've since grown new programs um, in falls, and we could talk about falls a little bit, fall prevention in the elderly, um, and even in uh, elderly seniors that live alone. We have a, pro a product called Connected Home, which we can discuss as well. So out of all the different ways that you're using remote monitoring now, what do you think are some of the biggest improvements that you've seen with patients that would not have been possible without the use of this approach in technology? Well, there's several examples I could give you. I'll go back to the fall situation. So we actually have the ability to monitor gait uh, using iPhone technology. Uh, and moreover, using Apple Watch, uh, we have a personal emergency response system. So using that, we can detect people who are at risk for falls. And then we have a completely virtual program uh, that they go through to actually reduce falls and we can track their progress through this passive monitoring just when they go out for a normal walk. So there's lots of little subtleties that we can uh, do in terms of collecting information and responding to information by virtue of these type of technologies. Tell me, how does that actually work? You, you said you, you get some kind of signal that there's a problem with gait, and then you have a virtual program to help correct that. What's that look like? So we, we, we can identify using uh, artificial intelligence populations that are at risk for falls. So just as a way of background very quickly, falls is the third leading cost of care in people 65 and above in the United States. So about 28% of them fall every year. It is a leading reason for hospitalization due to trauma in that age group. And it's also the leading traumatic cause of death in that age group. 99% of hip fractures, for instance, are due to falls. So falls are a big problem. Um, and there's not a lot of real programs that actually address that specifically in order to reduce it. So one, we can identify high-risk populations. Two, uh, through monitoring uh, of gait, we can actually see that someone is getting worse or getting better uh, based on the interventions that we're employing. So again, identifying risk groups and using technology through remote means to uh, you know look at populations, we can see who's doing what and who's getting better and where we need to focus more attention. And what a great use of AI, a topic we've been talking a lot about lately. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, 
fighting scope creep and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Um, Dr. Milani Oshner was also uh, an early adopter, uh, an early adopter of remote monitoring, but I want to take a look at uh, the future. In five years, uh, based on the kind of early results that you're seeing, what are the programs that you think most health systems should have in place? Well, I think the most important thing is for systems to be thinking about creating an infrastructure, because I think where things are going is going to be more and more passive monitoring of, of groups uh, that, that will then pop up. In other words, I'm passively monitoring a group of individuals or a population, and now all of a sudden a signal arises. And then as a health system, you'd want to respond to that signal. For instance, uh, we have the ability to passively monitor blood pressure. Okay, so that already exists today. There's actually a, a product. This is one right here as an example that's going through the FDA now. Imagine now that it's sort of built into, say, your Apple Watch or your Google Fit, and it identifies you as now having high blood pressure. You didn't even know it. Uh, that would pop up in our system and say, hey, let's get you managed. Let's get you treated. So I think what's going to happen over time is that as technologies continue to be more you know, improved, uh, our abilities to identify populations with a problem are going to be real. And we're going to not have to wait on them to figure it out. We should be able to help figure it out for them and respond in the moment. So I think what systems ought to be doing is saying, okay, we know that this is a lot of data. How can I capture this information and, and get through it in a way that doesn't burden the system, but yet takes care of people that, you know, I'm responsible for. Let me ask you a little bit more about that, because, you know, when we talk about this topic, I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed because of what you talked about is infrastructure. And there's so many aspects to that. There's the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure, the equipment, the technology, the systems, and the teams to be able to pull this off. When you think about you know, building out that infrastructure and that kind of organization to do that. What do you, what do you advise other health systems and particularly maybe smaller ones uh, as they kind of try to start up a program like that? Yeah, I think that the uh, the good news is that you need a platform. I mean, I shouldn't say that's the good news. Let's look at the requirements. Requirements are a platform. You have to have some way of capturing this information and then doing something with it on the back end. Um, so either you're going to go out and either create a platform or buy one, or the good news is what I was getting to is that now the EMR vendors are starting to be able to provide that infrastructure. So if you're, you know, on say Epic as an example, you know, they're adding more and more features to be able to collect a lot of this information in the background so that if you want to be able to start doing things with it and then collating that information, you can. So I, I think, again, as practices want to progress, um, they it, it can be expensive to try and create your own platform, but you can take advantage of the EMRs, hopefully, over the next few years to be able to do that for you. Well, I have uh, one last question for you. Uh, another area where Oshner has been very hard at work 
and a real leader is in the area of physician wellness and addressing issues around physician burnout. So I'm curious because the work that's been going on uh, there has been going on simultaneously with the work that you're doing with remote monitoring. Do you see a potential connection uh, between remote monitoring and burnout? You know, the technology gives physicians so much wealth, uh, a wealth of data on their patients, but you know, how do you see them coming together to combat what is really a significant problem right now? Yeah, I think it actually is going to take the burnout away. And the reason I say that is that we don't have to rely on physicians to do all this stuff. In other words, you can create protocols, you can use the existing guidelines, you could have a dedicated team, that team can consist of healthcare personnel that are not physicians. And now you're unloading the physician from a lot of work, not adding to it. Um, again, the, the, these protocols have to be designed by doctors and things like that to make sure that they're safe and appropriate and following the current science, which is, is doable. But now that day-to-day -day work can be taken off of their plate and they can do the things that only they can do uh, in the office or in any virtual fashion. That sounds like the subject of a future discussion for the two of us. I can't wait to talk to you about that more. Uh, Dr. Milani, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, and that's it for today's episode. We'll be back soon with another AMA update. In the meantime, you can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks again for joining us today. Please take care.